Let, let's, uh, let's take a moment and just pray about the next few minutes, and then, and then we'll see where God takes us, because that's, that's how this is going to flow. And so, God, as we, uh, as we listen to you, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would speak to each one of us individually, and that uh, you would speak truth and grace and life to us. God, I ask in your mercy you'd protect us from uh, getting off onto sideline things. God, I ask you to protect our minds from hearing any voice that, that isn't you. And as, as we look at Scripture, as we, as we digest these ideas together, may it be that you're, you would be with us, in us, among us, moving and speaking to us. God, we thank you. God, I also ask that if there's anything, if there's a mark on anything that would be uh, raised to the surface within us today, that you would hold on to that, and then you would address it, and you would remain with it until we're changed by you. Receive your word in Jesus' name. Amen. And so, uh, one of the things I felt like walking into today, and even this, this message, it's one of those moments where I feel like God's, even, even now, He's given me a several puzzle pieces, and, and I know kind of the puzzle pieces. I don't know how they all fit together. And so, so I'm going to start walking through, and I'm going to just trust he's going to shift it around and, and make, it, make it fit. So, because uh, I've got lots of puzzle pieces, but it doesn't mean all of them belong. Um, so you guys remember we've been looking at John chapter 14, verse 6. Can anybody tell me just off the top of your head what that verse is? Uh-huh. So Jesus is speaking to disciples, right? That's context. And he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then he says, and no one, no one comes to the Father except by me. And so this is actually one of those points where it describes the exclusivity of Jesus. There isn't another way to get to God. There's not another way of reconciliation. There is no other way into heaven. You don't get into heaven because you show up and St. Peter's up there and he's got like some sort of a scale and, and, if you, and if your good outweighs your bad, you get in. That's not the criteria and it's really good that it's not, right? And it, it's, it's really hard to take something that's, that's mucky and make it clean again. This is why we need Jesus, right? Every single one of us has, has sinned. Every single one of us. Right? And it's like one of, one of, my, one of the, my, my favorite things is, is like, and, and I've done this. I've done this. I've jumped out and it's like, well, I'm not perfect. Right? That's such a common phrase in our culture. And, and it's one of the things that I struggle with because I find, because that implies that perfect is somewhere in the room. Right? If per- perfect is in the room, it's because Jesus is in the room. Yeah. We need him. And so uh, we looked, um, starting a, a few weeks ago, we looked at um, the way that Jesus says he's the way, and that's the Greek word horos. And, and basically it's like he's not just, doesn't just show us the way. He doesn't just give us the map, but he is the way. It's, it's what he is. And, and part of this is because he's, trans, he's the guide from one realm into a different realm, right? You don't, a paper map can't take you to an immaterial world. And the next word uh, is truth. Jesus is the truth. He does teach us the truth. He tells us the truth, but he is 
the truth. And, and, and the truth of the universe is rooted in Jesus. He's the core of it. It's the center. And, um, and for, for you nerds out there, that's aletheia is the, the Greek word for truth. And then, and then there's also this third piece of life. Anybody know the Greek word for life? It's a, it's a pretty common name, actually. It's a girl's name. Zoe, yeah. And just uh, Aletheia is also a girl's name, but it's not quite so common. And I don't know a single human being who's ever been called Hodos. So thankfully, there's, there's parents out there that have merciful hearts. So, right? So, uh, but I do know an Aletheia, and, uh, and we've heard of Zoe's. And so, um, so this whole idea of Zoe, this, this life, and, and if you look around in culture, and thankfully... Thankfully, we have lots and lots of social media to tell us all about what the ideal life is. Um, and so I actually, I did a search, um, and it's funny how I think uh, somebody else actually did a search on what the ideal life was, and they said that I think Google comes back with like 1.6 billion results. You know, I, th- I was impressed with, you know, you come back with 2 million, 200 million results, 1.6 billion, that's, that's impressive. Um, and so, uh, and then, but I wanted, I ran, I, accidentally ran across a phrase like i'm living uh living uh let's see the the good life or was was it the ideal life and uh oh excuse me your best life that's what it was and uh, and apparently that's a, a pretty common hashtag and so have you guys run about like your best life or my best life run across that phrase it's a good phrase it kind of grips our hearts and stuff um, get this, I, I stumbled across a website that, where someone wrote about how to live your best life. And I thought, great, this will be a short sermon. I'll just go through, read this article, and we'll have it. And it's, uh, the, it's from highsnobiety.com. So the, the writer, um, is somebody named uh, Heather Snowden, wrote a beautiful article. And I was amazed that it was on highsnobiety.com. And she basically is addressing this question about life's um, how to le- live your best life. And, and so she was actually drawing from somebody else and saying, okay, so basically what, what she can tell from um, the society and life and what we're presented, you're living your best life when you wake up really early in the morning, you're up before the sun rises, and it's best if you greet the sunrise while you're hiking or out on a jog as the sun comes up on your hike, Right. And so, and you're out there, and then when you're done with your hike, you get home, and what you do is you drink out of a mason jar full of some sort of green sludge that you put together in your, in your blender, right? And then you take a picture of it, you post it to Twitter so everybody sees the green sludge, because that's probably the only reward of drinking green sludge. And then, um, and, then you, and then you go back into your tiny house, or your small house that has almost nothing in it because you live super light, and, and you're probably either the only person, but your house has not got a lot of other people in it. And you work from home over the internet, and you're working for some really trendy company that's changing the world for the better, probably saving baby dolphins or something, right? Is this like, wow, like this is, and so this is, this is kind of the way the, the best life is. And by the way, also you're very young, you're very good looking, you have quite a lot of money and quite a lot of free time so you can do all your wonderful, amazing things that you're doing. And, and that's living your best life. There's also something about avocado toast. I don't know. Anybody know what avocado toast is? You do? Okay, so you're living your best life. I'm not sure that I'm living my best life because I haven't met avocado toast yet. So 
I, I, I think I, I think I can figure it out though. Um, right. So, but it looks beautiful. I've seen pictures of that sort of life. Anybody see this? Y'all have, right? And it looks gorgeous. But how many of us resemble that? Maybe, maybe I don't know. <laughs> Seamus is like, that's totally me. That's my whole life. Yeah, that's. And is there anything wrong with that? No. No, it's good. It's good to go jogging, jogging in the early morning. Good for good for you people like my father-in-law that would do things like that. That's really cool. And and so there's nothing really necessarily wrong with that. And yet, yet it is, you know. And and honestly, I'd look around and probably almost none of us have this. The one thing we have totally covered is we've got the good-looking part down. Our community has got good-looking. We've got that. The rest of it, well, except for we got avocado toast. We got that covered too. So, so we're we're doing pretty probably pretty better than some other communities. Um, but at the core of this, when I see all these descriptions and all of the different sources, that wasn't just the only place I, I scanned and and uh, but it looked at all these different places. The one thing that was that was missing in every single one of these definitions and descriptions was Jesus. And I don't know about you, but in my experience, when I go and I pour my heart in some, I get really excited about something and, the, uh, and I run further and further and further down a path. But if Jesus isn't in the middle of it, it starts to get really dry. It just does. And I find that um, when Jesus is not there, the, the life part, the, the rich part starts to fade. And, and I think the, the reason why is because Jesus is life. And so if you if you have your Bibles, let's go over, just take a quick glance over at John, Gospel of John chapter one. And uh and and this is one of those places where this is talked about. It's I was enjoyed seeing, by the way, that that Jesus is life and, and also God is life, right? Jesus is God. This is this is a theme throughout all of Scripture. But here in John 1, this is one of these super favorite, uh, famous passages, and I happen to really love it. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And so here we're going to step sideways just just for hopefully for a brief moment into um, quantum mechanics um, because it matters. Um, so my understanding is in the quantum mechanical world, the understanding of the fabric of the universe, there's four forces, right? And, um, and one of them is caffeine and the next one is sugar and the next, no, what it is is um, I believe there's gravitation, there's electromagnetic uh, force, there's um, uh, the strong force, and then there's something called the weak force. Of them, I think the weak force is probably the weakest. I'm pretty sure. I'm really smart that way. And then, and so out of these things, um, I have yet to find any accurate description of what the strong force is. Maybe somebody out here is a total expert in this, but I've been reading about this stuff off and on for years, and and I haven't found any anybody who says the strong force is X. But here's the thing. 
Um, so we're going to go just basic, basic stuff. This, this is science, but it, it touches on our worldview and the nature of the universe and our theology. That's why I'm taking the moment to explain this. So you guys know, like, if you take an atom, right, we'll just go, let's say, how about just a, a, a hydrogen atom, something really, really simple. In the middle of it is a nucleus, right? And there's two things that are inside the nucleus. We're not going to go sub, sub-subatomic particles because there's other ones. We're not going there. Right? You have in the middle of the nucleus, you've got two particles. What are they? A proton, neutron, right? And then spinning around the outside of the nucleus, there's this tiny little thing whizzing around like crazy, and that is a, an electron, right? And so it's whizzing around. So if you go through chemistry class, and the further you go, the more vague it gets, actually. It starts out like an atom is like a little, like a little miniature billiard bar, ball. And then later on, well, it's got a nucleus, and it's got an electron, and they're whizzing around. Then later on, it's like, well... Actually, the electron is kind of like this wave particle duality wave probability field is what it actually is. And it kind of it goes on and on and on. But um, so let's say if we had um, a helium atom, it has two protons in it and you have two positive charged protons in the middle of your nucleus. Right. Okay. so imagine if those were magnets, if you take the the north end of a magnet and the north end of another magnet and you try and smash them together, what does it do? It tries to repel, right? So you two, take two positively charged protons, smash them in the middle of an atom, what are they going to do? They're going to repel each other and try to spread out, right? And so if you have a whole bunch of electrons that are buzzing around and they've got a negative charge, what are they going to try and do? They're going to try and repel too. And they actually, and they actually do. But here's the thing. Um, if that is the case, every single atom in the entire physical universe is trying to explode into literally subatomic nothingness at any given moment. And then there's this mysterious thing called the strong force that makes it not happen. And it forces these protons together, forces everything, holds it all together so that it doesn't go poof. Not even like an explosion, like a big something really cool that would come from a Hollywood film. Like just like poof, and a subatomic nothingness. Like, like the smallest powder you can imagine. And, and from what I can tell, if you look at here, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He was in the beginning. All things came into being through Him. That's the Word, who is Jesus, who is the Logos. And apart from Him, nothing came into being that came into being. So when we hear about the Word, I believe the Word here, because we're talking about something that's far more than just God talking in a room. The spoken word of God is the active will of God, right? Is that, is that safe, right? And so here we see Jesus is the active will of God and he's actively willing existence. And I, um, there might be a day when they have uh, some more details of how it works, but from what I can tell, I believe that the Logos, Jesus, is the active will of God. He is the strong force that holds it all together. Um, many years ago when I first ran into this, I wrote a song about it. Um, I wrote a song about quantum mechanics and theology. And, um, and it came out so clearly as a love song that I was asked to sing it at a wedding. So I sang a quantum mechanics song at my friend's wedding. Um, but the core of it is, is this thing that, that, that God is actively engaging with the universe. He's not just a God that wound it up and said, that looks like fun, and, said, and went off to go some, do other, some, other, some other God thing. 
I believe that God is actively engaging with the universe, actively engaging with you, even in this moment, to the degree that he's holding us all together. He's really, really close. And then we hear when Jesus talks about um, uh, repent, believe the kingdom of God is at hand. Super, super close. Like atomically close. Like he's here, he's engaged with us. And so when we talk about this thing and we run into John 14, 6, where it says, Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. I am the Zoe. I am that that thing that holds it all together, that thing that keeps everything spinning, the thing that, that makes the plants wake up in the spring and erupt. I'm the thing. He is like literally so involved with us. We cannot separate and uh, separate this. And yet, I don't know about you, but there's so many seasons in my life when it feels like God's out there and I'm just kind of living my life, right? And, and I believe that there's, there's an invitation in here for us to recognize the closeness and the intimacy that God has and desires. He would engage with us in a deeper way than we engage with Him. So I'm not sure if I said that right. Can you hear my, what I'm trying to say? Good. I'll just trust you. You got that. And if we look all the way through Scripture, there's this, this thing like... Um, in the Old Testament, the, the, the Jews were given all these rules to follow. I don't think, um, and, and I think Scripture holds witness to this, that I don't think that the blood of a lamb ever forgave sins. It, it was a prophecy. It tells, it tells us about the coming Jesus, about the coming Christ, about the necessity that we have our sins forgiven, that there's a way forward. But, right? It's a sheep. And the point, I believe, is to touch our hearts. And if you look all the way through the Old Testament, over and over and over again, intermingled with all of these rules, God's talking about the hearts of His people. He's calling to the hearts of His people. Um, one of the places, and it's a heavy, heavy challenge here, is in Deuteronomy chapter 30. In fact, let's, let's actually read this. Um, Alex can bring it up. And, um, and, and we're going to just read uh, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 11 through 16. And you'll find in this, when we, when we read this in just a moment, you're going to find some references to commandments and the, and the law. But I want you to notice that intermingled in the middle of it, the core, the foundation, the thing that upholds the whole thing is God's after your heart. This is all the way back in Deuteronomy. This is the way near the beginning of the book. The idea that God wants your heart is not a new idea. It's all the way through Scripture. So can we stand for a moment just to honor God's word and let's, and let's just read this together. But as you read and we read together, listen and watch for God's heart. So go ahead and lead us, Alex. It says, for this commandment that I command you today is not too hard for you, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today, 
by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways and by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his rules, then you shall live and multiply and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you're entering to take possession of it. But if your heart turns away and you will not hear but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish You shall not live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to enter and possess. I think I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I've set before you life and death, blessing and a curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice, holding fast to him, for he is your life and length of days, that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, to give them. Notice, so go back to there, Alex. And so, therefore, choose life, as in he entrusts some responsibility to us. He's the one that does it. Apart from him, we can't choose life. He enables us to do that. But then the result of this invitation and enabling us to choose life is that both you and your offspring, this is not just about you, your victory, your life is more than just about you. It's about those who you impact and those in your children and and your children's children. This is a generational thing as well as the people that God has brought into your life that you would influence, right? And so, and then uh, loving, there's a heart thing, right? Loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice, hold fast to him, for he is your life, right? Where Jesus says later on, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And notice it says, and the length of days that you may dwell in the land. So this idea is, is that we have the life of God and the result of the life of God is manifest in our regular natural life, right? But it's not limited to that because we're engaging with an eternal God and he's inviting us into eternity with him. And so you can have a wonderful life here, but it's temporary. This life is supposed to be the beginning of eternity with God. And here it is all the way back in Deuteronomy. Thank you, Alex. That's good. And so you guys can sit down. Um, I'm going to be brief and we're going to and we'll, we'll pause here. I'm not going to go on a long time. And um, all the way through, I did another look uh, in through scripture and all the way through um, the Old Testament. God is is frequently um, referred to as the living God. He's the living God. Life is actually a defining quality of who God is. And so, uh, by contrast, that would imply that he is the God who is not the dead God. The other gods would be the not living gods. Right? And so, the end result of, of the sort of worship that comes from the other gods usually is death in some form or another. And notice when he says earlier, it says like if our hearts turn from him, he says you will perish. Doesn't that sound a little bit like what was told to Adam and Eve in the garden? Right? Did they die that day? Not in the way we think about it. But something did die and they were destined to die at that point. They were separated from the life of God because of sin. It separated them. And so there's a place where we also, in a similar manner, can live, at least temporarily, a life that is good and full and amazing. But in the end, it's going to, if it's a separated life from God, 
all of the goodness that came from him is going to wane because it's not being replaced. And it will get worse and worse and worse and worse. And so it's imperative that we both individually and for the sake of our generations that we tie our hearts and our lives back to Jesus Christ who is our life. He is the truth and he is the way. Um, let me see if there's anything else that needs to be... I had all these puzzle pieces um, that needs to land right now today. Mm. Nope. There's all kinds of stuff. You guys can go home and you can study the strong nuclear force if you want to. Um, good reading. Um, actually, if you want to look at that stuff, go look up uh, a book uh, by a guy named Brian Green called The Elegant Universe. It's, uh, he's not a believer, but he's the best describer of that stuff of any, anything I've run across. But um, for me, all of those things brings insight in the context of Scripture in the context of Jesus. Jesus is life. Right? And he's not just like an out there concept life. He's actually engaging with you right now. Your body is holding together in one piece. This room is holding together. The air that you're breathing, it remains air because of the active will of God to hold it all together. He's very, very close to us. And, and when, one of the things that strikes my heart is, is if he is that close, he's that close, why would we spend a single minute choosing to defy the God that's literally holding your body together in that moment? It takes our sin and it makes it a heavy, heavy thing, right? To literally betray the one that is holding you together in the moment. So let's pray and just uh, re- ask that the Holy Spirit would remind us what it means for him to be our life, that Jesus is our life. And that he would also teach us to rest in him, draw from him, live with him as our life. Is that, is that a good direction? Would you guys agree to pray that? I'm looking for a yes. Okay, we'll close with that. And uh, so, Father God, we see in your word that you are the living God. We see also in your word that your primary invitation is that we would turn our hearts to you that we would place our trust in you and that our obedience would be a result of our relationship with you. God, we understand from your word and also um, reinforced with current understanding of the nature of the universe that you are actively holding us together, that you are far closer than we have acknowledged or recognized. God, I ask that you would awaken our spirits and our souls and our bodies to be aware of your presence. Help us to be aware of you and that our hearts would be tied to you. Make us hunger and thirst for honoring you. Make us a people who want righteousness. Make us a people who walk humbly before you, our God. And Lord, we know that you are the source of life and as we cling to you, that there will be real life raised up within us and through our generations and through our community and among all of those whose lives we touch. We humbly recognize that we don't have life within us apart from you. Any life that we have comes from you, all of it, including the life that exists among those that don't know you. We ask for your purifying hand.
ask you to awaken us to your presence moment by moment. May we bring glory and honor to you as the one who holds it all together. In Jesus' name, amen.